hi everybody. Today I'm here with two names that I am not going to butcher. It is Ella Trujillo and Sabra Esparza. Got it. <laughs> and today we're here at the Carlin Historical Society and Museum. And it's special to me because this is actually, you know, my hometown. I went to the high school here, eighth grade through, you know, senior year. So I'm biased, but it's already pretty awesome. So uh, we got a few things we're going to talk about today. And why don't you guys go ahead and start us off kind of with how you became a society and the museum in general. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, in 2018, Carlin celebrated its 150th year. Basically, that marks from the date the railroad was, the tracks were laid in Carlin, which was 1889. So we, as a community, were really excited about that. Uh, we are considered I guess the oldest community in Elko County. So the tracks hit us before they hit Elko. Uh, <laughs> oh, some rivalry. Some rivalry <laughs> reared its head. Yes, it did. Um, so we, nothing was getting planned and I could not stand for that. So, <laughs> so I decided to um, put, put feelers out in the community to see who would like to start working on the um, celebration plans for Carlin Sesquicentennial. And so a group of local citizens came together. We met uh, at the senior center and we started to brainstorm ideas about how to celebrate Carlin's 150th, 150 years of history. Um, and when we started getting into that, we realized how much we all really cared about history. And unfortunately, that same year, um, a historic building in Carlin had been torn down and literally torn down with money from the State Historic Preservation Office. Ouch. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That hurt even more. Um, and so we... The betrayal. Yes. So we all realized how much we cared about Carlin's history and preserving that history and making sure that no more of it was lost because so much has already been lost and there's so much we don't know about Carlin because nobody cared enough to document it to preserve it to keep it from being torn down or burned down or burned down. Yeah. Those are a little bit harder to prevent, but, um, and a lot of Carlin's history is oral history. It's been it passed down. And so it's hard to verify certain things. You just Facts. To, yes. You may get five people with five different stories. Mm -hmm. And so we just, sometimes we have to just say as said by, or as and told us by. And, and even if we back. document those five different stories, we at least, you know, have some idea of when this happened, where it happened, who was there, you know, what exactly went down. So um, it they may all be, you know, different, but it's still history. Well, and oral history can be so important because you actually get the personality of that history as well. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just as important as written history. In my professional podcasting of <laughs> museum's opinion. <laughs> so uh, I think we quickly morphed from being a temporary group of people who were going to plan the celebrations to a group that wanted to change the way that we value our history in Carlin. And so we, in my past life, when I was a lawyer, um, <laughs> I had connections. So I uh, found a lawyer who, would, who was willing to draw up all of our paperwork to form a nonprofit organization. And the Carlin Historical Society was born. And then it just kind of 
snowballed from there. We opened our first exhibit, which was Carlin's history, 150 years. Um, And we opened that in the Carlin Library, a small exhibit, but we had a huge turnout. Um, I think in the opening, we had at least 100 people come in and out of that room. And Um, so what year was that first exhibit? That was July 4th of 2018. So it Carlin's was, birthday. <laughs> Perfect well, timing. Carlin's birthday is December it the 4th, is. but because the dead of winter in Nevada is not pleasant, they did the majority of the celebration of July 4th of that year. So yes, we kicked everything off we then. And, and we've been doing stuff on July 4th ever since. So that exhibit uh, stayed there for a year. That was the agreement with the city. And so we knew we had to find it another home. And this building, which is the Carlin Museum, um, had been sitting empty for a good number of years and was basically being just used for storage. Um, but the building itself is one of those historical buildings that we did not want to see this community lose. So we approached the city again. And a year, well, a little after a year, we signed the lease for five years, um, dollar rent every year. (laughs) I paid, I went, I had to go and pay our dollar. I almost forgot. Um, so, uh, this building is one of the original schoolhouses, the original schoolhouse, um, pretty much. And, um, we know there was a school before, but, um, we believe it was just a a, Temporary temporary building. Yes. Until they could build this one. Uh, and it's had a lot of different lives, uh, and now hopefully it'll have a long, the rest of its life will be, um, as a home to share and, and appreciate Carlin's very unique and sometimes, um, confusing history, (laughs) but, uh, we are currently in the process of creating a museum in this building at the same time. And while at the same time, we're trying to restore it. Uh, to its original splendor. Uh, We may never get there because it's kind of a Frankenstein building and it's been um, so modified. Um, Because there isn't a set date, again, because, you know, the Carlin history is a little bit lost, but you have an idea of when the building was established. Yes. Um, We think it was probably built in 1908, but it could be older than that. So, I mean, at least 100 Yes. I mean, at least 100 yes. years. So yes. it's Frankenstein building's pretty, it's a good description. <laughs> yes. It's had a lot of different lives, a lot of different uses, and it's an artifact in itself. It's kind of, it's been amazing to, to kind of learn about it as we get into the building more. We, we find different things. Um, for example, the whole back half end of the building was, um, is not part of the original building. We believe it was added when they put in plumbing. <laughs> So um, it's uh, we we discover that that one of the walls is a is an original exterior wall, and so we can't do a lot with it because it's you know it's kind of an important wall. So um, and then on top of that, it's it's just uh, the building itself is kind of scary when you're here by yourself. <laughs> the walls start talking. <laughs> yes, yes, they do. Uh, we, I don't think we have any confirmed ghost sightings as of yet, but um, uh, I'm used to it now because I spend a lot of time here alone. <laughs> and so a lot of the time is you guys are working on creating, you have a few different exhibits here already, but you're in the process of building one. And I, from what you guys told me, I'm really excited about it because I actually, 
uh, call out of myself here, but I lived on the one, the main street that yes. you guys are going to be creating the exhibit about. Yes. Uh, so our new exhibit is all about downtown Main Street, and we're going for the 1920s, 1930s era, whenever the railroad, the depots were still the there and everything. Because Carlin and, got pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Carlin had railroad workers that the ice house, they had... Yeah, quite a few people came just for seasonal work. Other people came worked here full time. It's always been a transitioning town. And well, and during during the World War II, the troop trains would stop um, in the middle of town, and all of those soldiers would get off the train and go into the bars and the stores and the ice cream shop and even the barber shop. Sometimes, you know, if they needed a haircut. So, um, in fact, uh, I was told a story that they the drinking. The troop train stopping and, and going to the bars got out of hand. So um, the railroad actually let out a whistle when a troop train was coming in, and the bars had to lock their doors. So yeah, it was kind of a crazy, and kind of a out, crazy town. Lose out on all those sales. <laughs> yeah, but it 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 got out of hand apparently. Yeah. So um, they had to stop that. So yeah. So um, Ella's been doing most of the work on this. Main Street exhibit, and I'm really excited about it, and I can't wait for the finished product because we have a lot of cool artifacts that go along with this. Um, we're bringing in a, a booth from the state in. We're bringing in a freight scale from the Southern Pacific office. Yeah, and then um, Ella wanted to talk about her favorite artifact, one of her favorites. We can't hardly pick, but it was it was a challenge getting them to pick uh, what they wanted to talk about <laughs> for the episode from the state hotel. Uh, so that building that started it all, the building that was torn down in 2018, was the State Hotel. And the State Hotel was um, kind of the uh, Copacabana Club of Carlin. So uh, everybody um, would go there on Friday and Saturday nights. And um, my favorite artifact is was a poster um, from that yeah from that time period, um, which was actually in the um, archives at the Northeastern Nevada Museum. Um, and it was one of the first artifacts that the Northeastern Nevada Museum was like, hey, this belongs to the Carlin Museum, not us. And so um, this poster um, is advertising a, a concert and a dance. And the hours for said event were 10 p.m. to 2.30 a.m. <laughs> so Party hard. <laughs> yes. So Carlinites were getting wild and crazy until um, two thirty a.m. Till two thirty a.m. Um, and so it was for a country and western swing group, and also um, which had a, a America's Champion Girl Yodeler Judy Lynn, which I have listened to her. Yeah, I've listened to her. Um, so it was kind. It's kind of fun, and of course they had to throw some rock and roll in there to please everyone. And so they had Pat Kelly and the Shamrocks. Uh, and so uh, we have several photographs too of when the state hotel was you know rocking and there's just cars just you know lined up all along main street and so um this poster is one of my favorite um artifacts because i grew up in carlin and this is so not the carlin i grew up in <laughs> so um this to me this is just so cool because it exemplifies um how a town can just totally transform itself from one generation to another, from, you know, even, you know, decade to decade. And that's Carlin in a nutshell. It's like, that's the great thing about this new exhibit about Main Street is learning about 
what was there, what's been lost, what's still there. In fact, the title, my title for, for the exhibit, because I get to name the, the exhibits because nobody else um, cares, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, is actually Carlin's Main Street, Hiding in Plain Sight, because um, people from my generation, and I think from your generation as well, they drive down Main Street and they don't see anything. And nobody wants to go to the south side of the track. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, like, yes. I grew up on the south side too, so yep. I totally get that. I <laughs> Waiting still, for the trains in the morning to go by. I still live there. Um, actually, I... So anyway, uh, Carlin's Main Street, Hiding in Plain Sight, it's going to be an exhibit about what we don't see every day, what we're missing out on. Um, and one of those buildings on that street are there and they have so much history, but because they are unfortunately um, vacant or um, just being used for storage, um, nobody sees them. Nobody notices them. There's no activity there, so they just drive right by. But uh, there's so much history there, so many cool things. Like most people of Harlan didn't know that there was a bar named the Bucket of Blood on Main Street, you know. And so there's just so many cool things about the entire street that uh, kids in Carlin today don't know about, that I didn't know about. Before I didn't I, know about any of it either. Yeah, before I started to learn about it all. And so it's uh, going to be a really awesome exhibit. Um, my board pushed me to to kind of go with a more um, interpretive... This is where that right. oral history comes <laughs> into play. So then it's more of a... They come in and they get a sense of they're on Main Street as it was, you know, back in the day. And I was talking to... A, couple high schoolers one time who had dropped by to come in here and they were so interested to learn that Carlin used to have an ice cream parlor. They used to a have movie a movie theater. theater. We have the movie theater seats from the they, movie theater. You know, they, they're like, oh, Carlin used to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Carlin used to have things. <laughs> so the young people get excited about that and they're like, hey, why don't we bring this stuff back? Where, where is it at? So we're hoping that that kind of influences maybe them instead of wanting to move away and do other things, maybe they're like, hey, you know what? My town used to be cool, and it could be cool again, and we're going to start, you know, Well, there's so much potential back. on Main Street as well. I mean, because there are so many buildings, historical buildings on Main Street that are sitting vacant, and they could be amazing businesses, amazing, you know, facilities for a variety of things. The idea that our Main Street is dead, it's our hope that this exhibit shows everyone it's not dead. It's still there. It just needs some new life, you know. That actually brings us to our, I would say, the heart of this current museum. And that's our exhibit about the um, Carlin Chinese railroad workers and Carlin citizens and their story. So I'll let Sabri tell it. So... Um... About 20 years ago or so, there was a citizen in Carlin who was going to do something on their property, some construction work, and they um, were out digging and they found bones. Well, they went through the process of, you know, identifying who they were, what, you know, kind of thing. Well, it just happened to be um, 13 Chinese males who were buried there. And of course, that got the attention of UNLV. Um, and the Smithsonian. And the Smithsonian, different places. So UNLV came up, and um, it's University of Las Vegas. So, um, And they came up, and they said, we would like to take these for a year or so and study them, and then we'll bring them back 
to the city of Carlin. So that was agreed with the city of Carlin. You could take these, study them, find out, you know, the artifacts, what they are and who these people were, and then bring them back. They never returned them um, for a long time. And so years went by, people kind of lost interest or forgot about them again. And so then um, two citizens in town, um, Lee Chin and Margaret Johnston, they um, become very interested in bringing them back for the 150th birthday celebration, kind of what kicked it off. Margaret's on city council, so she's able to get in touch with certain people from the state and get, I don't know, pull some strings or whatever, but get people nudged in the right direction. Yes. (laughs) And so um, through a lot of work between her and Lee, they were able to get permission to bring the bodies back home and rebury them here in Carlin. Um, And then the artifacts belong to the the Elko County Archaeological Association, which we didn't even know existed until that point. The artifacts belong to them, and so they agreed to loan us some for our museum um, because all this took over a course of it another year because they weren't able to bring them home for the 150th, but they were able to bring them home the following year, so in 2019. So in 2019, um, they let us know that um, there's people from China, people from San Francisco, people from Utah, people from Railroad Association. Yeah, the Carlin Railroad Workers Descendants Association, Yeah, which is a big organization. They were all coming to town for the reburial. That's pretty big for Carlin because we're a pretty small (laughs) town here that doesn't get a lot of uh, international attention. Yeah, it, it was a big deal. Was yeah, big there was a documentary done on the Chinese the Chinese 13. The New York um, Times wrote an article. A, a news team from China came and yeah. kind of took over our building for a couple of days, <laughs> shushed us, kicked us out. <laughs> and But it was it was cool. It was awesome to have all those people here. So we managed to put together an exhibit very quickly um, that displays artifacts from the grave sites, um, from the burial. We have three burial bricks. Um, they didn't have headstones, so they had burial bricks that was put in the coffins that said who they were, what town they were from in China. Um, so we got a scarf, we got coins, there's seeds, shoes, um, shoes, opium pipe. There was an opium pipe. There was all kinds. Of, we got some pretty cool artifacts. Um, there was quite a number that we had to go through um, to decide which ones we wanted. We picked the ones we thought would interest people the most. Um, and then we have a plaque that a famous calligrapher in China um, wrote up um, basically a it tells kind a of, it tells, tells a story is, yeah. and tells who they are. And we got that. They shipped it over to us, and it's hanging on the wall um, in the museum. And we got the three burial bricks, as I mentioned, and um, just some really, really cool stuff. And it was but the greatest thing was we got to bring these people back to Carlin. And they're now up at the cemetery. They're buried in the cemetery um, with the big the, the Chinese Railroad, monument. Yeah, the Chinese Railroad Workers Descendants Association paid for um, a large uh, monument to be erected to tell their story and to mark their the new grave site for the Carlin 13. Yeah. And the, the coolest thing about this was the fact that we have so much history in Carlin and so many people were part of that history, but sometimes it gets forgotten or pushed aside or, you know, like, well, maybe certain people didn't matter or certain things didn't matter. 
But it was kind of nice to see the whole town show up for this burial, you know, and they did the food um, offerings. They did. So it was very much like a Chinese ceremony. Yes, it was very much. But it was nice to finally, you know, let these people be home. Mm -hmm. Like we, like Carlin acknowledges, hey, you belong to us. You're home now. So it was kind of cool. And so there were 13 different graves. And um, I know that when we were talking earlier, you guys said that there was something to do with usually when a Chinese immigrant over here did die, they might be buried here for a little while until their family could pay to have them their bodies taken back to China. Yes, usually. So usually if somebody was left here, they didn't, they couldn't either afford to go, be sent back home, or they had no family. They were single people who didn't have family, and so they were they were left here. So basically, we're looking at 13 people who no longer had family or their family was so poor they couldn't afford to bring them home. And so I don't, it kind of was a nice symbolism, I think, to finally say, hey, you belong somewhere. You have family. <laughs> yeah, you have family because yeah. you're here. So, but yeah, that's our whole, the one display we put together is all about that. And so if you come to see it, you can see our display and you can also go up to the cemetery to see where they're buried. And I mean, it's just an interesting and unique story that I think kind of symbolizes Carlin because Carlin is such a transient town because mm-hmm. first we had the railroad, then we had the, now we have the mines and mm-hmm. people come and go all the time. You, I mean, I constantly meet people it's from a somewhere else, town, yes. you know, yes. and so there are people like Ella who's lived here her whole life. And then I've lived here for the last six years. And that and, was just for my family, you know, it was a pure luck that we, we ended up being here for as long as we have. So so from about when were the grave sites? Like what what time period were most of those people buried? We think more like the 1920s, 1930s. We don't think they were railroad workers from the 1800s, that type. But there were people living here, the original railroad workers that had came through. They, you know, some of those that went back to China, some moved to California for the gold, some had did other things. But some people settled here in Carlin and they opened... Um, we had a Chinatown in Carlin. Which I had no idea about. Yeah. That was so surprising to me. That's so cool. And we have a, a nature study park that was put in that they named the Chinese Gardens. Because, well, it's always been called the Chinese yeah, Gardens. Yeah, but mean, now it's an official, yeah, <laughs> it's got the yeah. official name on it because um, that's where they said the a lot local Chinese of, residents grew gardens. Yeah. And fresh produce. So they had a laundry. They had restaurants here. They did um, other work. Um, and other things, I mean, less appealing things, you know, they, they have found, they found Chinese, um, murder Chinese residents, uh, along the railroad, you know, with their cues tied together or, you know, different things. And they never found out. What do you mean their cues tied together? So their hair pieces, their long yes. braids. Oh. And that actually, there was a, um, a synthetic cue. So basically it was, it was, you know, a hair piece, um, that was found uh, in the in the in the grave sites too, but that's not something that we asked them to display. No, because uh, those we actually things. asked we actually asked Lee Chen if that would be appropriate to display or not, and she said no. She didn't it's, think so. Those who, are, who is Lee Chen? Lee is one of the um, the Carlin residents who helped bring the Carlin Thirteen back from UNLV from to have them reburied. And she so. owns the local Chinese restaurants. Yes. So, so she probably has a pretty good right idea here. of cultural values and what would be appropriate and necessarily not yes. appropriate. Well, she know. was she was actually there when they were first dug up, 
and she performed death rituals then. And then when they were reburied, she performed rituals to um, help them find their ancestors in the afterlife. So uh, she's been there from day one to day two, you know, day, the end of the end of the, the journey, um, which included a, an episode um, that was created by National Geographic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Carlin's becoming famous. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, Carlin has a very rich uh, history of Chinese uh, and uh, we have learned about it since we started this venture that, you know, you say you don't know any of these things. Trust me, three years ago, we didn't know any of these things no. either. And that's, that's, that's what's so cool about this whole, about museums, because where else are you going to go and learn these things? Mm-hmm. Um there's a, a space in, in the museum that we want to turn into basically an oral history recording booth. So anyone that comes into this museum who grew up in Carlin can go into that booth and tell us, you know, what was your favorite memory from growing up in Carlin? You know, what, tell us something cool you know about Carlin's history. You know, whatever that may be, just to start to record all of that. Because even in these last three years, there's already, we've already lost so many Carlin residents who had such a rich knowledge of Carlin's history. We're going to work on that, you know, but we could definitely use more help. So, um, any of you, yeah, any of you Carlin folks out there who are listening to this podcast, please stop by if you want to help out. Perfect. Um, well, thank you guys so much. This was, I mean, honestly kind of mind-blowing for me because I had no idea all this history was in my backyard. Um, but so this has been really great, and I appreciate you all so much for coming and meeting with me and doing this podcast. Well, we were glad to do it. I was so excited when Elko Museum. We hope that there are more more people like you out there <laughs> who want to, who, who actually find it interesting and want to, to, want to preserve it because... It's uh, it's, a, it's an uphill road at this point for Carlin's history. <laughs> they can use all the help we can get. Yes, yes. Cool. So. Well, thank you guys so much. This was great. Bye.